You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. All right, you guys ready? Sure. I've, I've been ready for about 20 minutes, Kevin, but we had problems. Well, Mark, you've always had problems, and that's the way it starts, folks. Welcome to Geekiest Show Ever, episode 160. We've had Skype issues. Mark has Cyloned all over Mike and I, and then we, it's just been a, a, a royal mess. But as the troopers we are, we're championing on. Ch- uh, shit, I can't talk. We're trying to trudge on. Whatever the hell. I, uh, I, I think you need a new set of teeth in there, Kevin. I've got my uh, uh, shout-out to Elaine Giles and Mike Thomas. I've got my Mac Bites teeth coming in. Uh, we're recording a little later than normal, so it's uh, about 10.15 on October 30th, 2014 for me, uh, the day before Halloween, so technically less than two hours to Halloween. But the voice that you heard there was that of Mr. Mark Greentree, who after for forgetting to join us or... Some lame excuse, I don't remember what it was, for the last episode. He's back with us. How are you doing, Marky? I'm doing well, Kevin. Actually, it wasn't forgetting to join you. You just wanted to record it like 3 a.m. in the morning. And I went, no. I'm not wimp. getting up that early for you guys. Wimp. That's right, Mike. Wimp, wimp indeed. I, 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 I'm not going to mince words. I'm a big <laughs> wimp. I like getting my sleep. And uh, there ain't no way that I'm doing this show for you guys or the listeners at 3am in the morning. Uh, sleep. What is sleep? I wish I knew what that was. Yeah, you mean you, you need more than four hours of sleep a night or something? Eh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, I, I don't understand. I try this. to get a little more. But I, I, I don't really. I can live on about five hours worth of sleep quite adequately. It doesn't help our looks any when we take that, that little bit of sleep. So, so That's the way it goes. I don't know if... I don't know if there's no sleep in the world, Kevin. That's probably true for all three of us. And no, that, that, no. there is. Death and a, a taxidermist would uh, make <laughs> us look better. Yeah, I don't even think mm. there's enough of that. But that other voice... No, they, you, work, <laughs> they work windows do the Wolverine, so there you go. Well, that's true. That's true. <laughs> and that other voice you hear is our other our panelist, hostess. No, not a hostess. He'd be a host. hostess. Oh, geez. <laughs> oh my. Kevin, I told you not to say anything. <laughs> That's Mr. Mike McPeak. How you doing, buddy? Oh, not too bad. Um, uh, it's going to be, you know, we're a little later in the evening, and if I, you know, pass out here, I donated blood this afternoon. So, uh, you know, I'm a pint low, but um, well, I'm usually a pint low anyway, but... Uh, this is in the blood <laughs> category, not the brain category, but, uh, I, I had a hearty meal, like they said, which I have a hearty meal anyway, but, uh, I at least had an excuse for having one this time. So I should be robust and ready to go and ready to tear into all the geeky stuff we got. Well, that's what we shall do. And, uh, I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, well, anyway, we will tear it. As I said, this, we're recording this on the 30th of October, and that means here in the United States, well, technically all over the world, just depending on how much they celebrate, tomorrow is Halloween, as I said. Uh, Kevin, it's already Halloween in Australia. I can't We're, help we're it. ahead of you every single step of the way, mate. Well, then why the hell aren't you sending me the damn lottery number so I can get rich? <laughs> <laughs> because, unfortunately, the lottery numbers in America are still to come. A no. day late. You, if you're a day ahead... You have the lottery numbers. I buy the ticket. We win. I fly you and Mike out, and we 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 have a party. We do a live in person geekiest show ever. I'd like that, but uh, you know what? We got to buy the lottery ticket first. 
Well, well I see, the problem is, so it's the, it's the whole currency exchange because the numbers in Australia are not going to be the same as the numbers here in America. So, you know, by the time you get them converted over and we're going to lose so much in translation, we're never going to get that winning lottery ticket. That's right. Well, that's, Darn it. that's all Mark's fault. So that's minus 2,000 geek points. <laughs> you can't minus 2,000 geek points. I don't have any left. Yeah, well, someday you might get back to zero, so. And I'll throw out. Well, let's 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 give uh, Peter uh, Peter a couple a uh, couple hundred geek points just for a good measure. We'll we'll throw that out there too. Well, that's only because he listens to the show religiously every week and he puts up with us. Well, th- well, you know, and for that too, we'll throw some geek points Dorothy's way. A couple hundred thousand would be good. So, <laughs> yeah, she puts up with a lot. She does, bless her heart. So, uh, but anyway, talking about Halloween, couple things. And it's interesting, too, because Mark and I have talked uh, previously about the difference between Halloween here in the United States and, and Halloween in Australia. And I wanted to talk about two different things. The first of those is Halloween traditions. Now, I don't know around your, around your house, Mike, and I know you have, would have similar things being in the United States. You know, it was always a, a tradition to go trick-or-treating and give out candy and do the pumpkin carving. Um a new thing that we started a few years ago is when we carve the pumpkins, though, we're roasting the pumpkin seeds. Do you ever do that? Um, we've done it once or twice. Uh, we do like to eat pumpkin seeds. Uh, normally, we just get kind of lazy and buy them from the store. And I don't know. I think when we tried it, it wasn't quite as good as the ones we got from the store. But, yeah, we do roast them and eat them like big old sunflower seeds. Yeah, they're really tasty because uh, when I walked in the house tonight, the kids were carving pumpkins. Um, I'll have to get pictures of the pumpkins tomorrow night when we set them out. They uh, we they carved five different pumpkins. One of them looks like a pair of butt cheeks. <laughs> oh, my. Was that a portrait, Kevin? No, no, that's the way the pumpkin grew. It actually looks like a pair of butt cheeks. It just really... I, I kind of I kinda knew that. I just wanted to have a laugh at your expense. Yeah, well, and... Uh, on the way to yeah, on the way to Watertown, there's a uh, uh, somebody had decorated put a decoration by their driveway along the highway, and so yeah, it's uh, uh, two straw people, and one uh, the lady has a set of big old pumpkin boobs, and the guy has a big old set of pumpkin butts. So he's bending <laughs> over, mooning us. Yeah, there's a there's a house uh, going into town here that I see that they've had that. He's got on a pair of jeans, and they're like half falling down, and he's half bent over, and it's two pumpkins making butt cheeks so one of my favorites of it i've seen i've seen it a few times and there's a couple pictures of it on twitter it has the pumpkin and it's been carved but it has like the seeds that they took out look like it's throwing up the seeds coming out of its mouth oh. <laughs> it's kind of neat actually uh, to see i'd seen another picture of uh they had taken a pumpkin and carved it and then kind of stuck another pumpkin in there so it looked like one was giving birth to the other <laughs> Nice, I liked it. Well, there's, <laughs> there's uh, Halloween Wars. I don't know if it's still on or not on uh, Home and Garden Television or HGTV, and they have some wild stuff they do with pumpkins. And the way these people carve them, I was like, unbelievable. There's a place that I go by on the way to work that has these giant pumpkins that they've carved, and they're big enough they put electric light fixtures inside of them to light them up. It's I. Huh. I mean, these things. I've seen. I've seen some of those that people have uh, uh, carved and done like that. And some of that stuff is just wild. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's huge. Uh, the, the one pumpkin looks to me, if I had to guess, it's about, I don't know, about four and a half feet tall. Uh, I mean, that's just a... I, what do you have to do to grow a pumpkin that freaking big? You're the farmer in the group. Uh, a lot of crap. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it takes a certain amount of fertilizer, and yeah, you got to have the right soil, and yeah, I'm sure you know to get something that big, you've got some serious pumpkin geeks out there, and you know, they're I'm sure they're measuring the pH of the soil, and they're putting fertilizer in there, and they're doing all the fertility tests to make, or not fertility tests, but <laughs> testing the nutrients. Well, there might be fertility tests, multiple pumpkins here, um, but I'm sure they're out there doing the, you know, checking the the nutrients in the soil and uh, putting you know all the uh, components that go into fertilizer on there, making sure it's uh, correct and everything, so you get you know for maximum pumpkin here. So uh, there's a lot of tweaking you can do, and you know if you really want to get serious about it, you can you know do all kinds of things. And it's going to take a special pumpkin, and I'm sure they're out there trying to find the best seeds and trying to find the biggest pumpkins, thinking that you know the biggest bigger the pumpkin the uh, the seeds will be better and grow bigger ones. So I'm I'm sure there's pumpkin geeks out there just going nuts about all that stuff. Well, what amazes me too is I've seen some of the weigh-offs for some of these pumpkins. I was watching one the other day, and it, the thing weighed in at like 1,600 pounds. That's cool. a big-ass pumpkin. I mean, they're lifting it with a forklift that looked like it was about to tilt over. You know, I like, well, I'm surprised it'll stand up. I I would think it would collapse in on itself. They were being very careful with it. The one guy said one of the things they do is they'll grow now not that big a pumpkin. He said, but they get them around three hundred pounds or so, and and they what they do every year is they sacrifice a pumpkin to the pumpkin gods. They take it up on a crane about a hundred feet in the air and drop it on something. And uh, the one I saw, they were dropping it on a looked like a Honda Accord, an older Honda Accord. And I mean, oh, the poor little Honda. It hit well. It looked like it had seen its better days too, <laughs> but when it hit it, it exploded. Pumpkin and car together. <laughs> wow! Now I got a list of people. Oh, never mind. I didn't say that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I well, the, we're not on that list, Kevin. I wouldn't count nah. on it. <laughs> nah. I need you to. I can't do this alone. I got a podcast I do alone, and it's not doing that well. So anyway, yeah, I, I need you guys, but. Yeah, and then you started uh, saying something about dropping, and that got me to thinking about pumpkin, uh, pumpkin chunking. Oh yeah, uh, where they go and launch launch pumpkins uh, from all sorts of devices. That's kind of cool to watch. Yeah, I watched. Um, they had the it was a week a couple of weeks ago. They had that on, and they have because they have. I didn't realize they had too many categories. They have the air cannons, yeah. the trebuchets, the like spring loaded ones. I think. Uh, yeah, I looked up, uh, uh, decided to look up the records for pump, uh, pumpkin chunk in here, as I call it. And you have, uh, so they've got about, oh, oh, what is this, 12 categories, maybe more than that. You got adult air, you got adult female air, uh, but then you got things like, uh, and, you know, they got adult and youth here, but they got centrifuge, catapult, trebuchet, human power, they got torsion, um, adult centrifugal human powered. 
Uh, then you're into the youth category, and they're pretty much the same. But yeah, you got all kinds of things. Uh, the trebuchets, some of those are kind of wild to watch, or the centrifugal ones too, because um, they're some of those are kind of Rube Goldberg almost type devices where you know they got things that they wrap it up, and they got like big bands in there to uh, for winding it up and powering it. Uh, and some of those air can, the air cannons, those are the ones for distance. And yeah. I was looking here. Uh, the record for uh, an air cannon is 4,694 feet. Um, what is that, 80% a mile. of a mile? Yeah, yeah. a mile is 5,280. So yeah. this has got to be, I just, off the top of my head, 80% of a mile or whatever. But, yeah, that's a long ways just to be throwing something big and orange. Hmm. Wow. And, it, and I know one of the rules is it has to stay together until it hits the ground. If the pumpkin yeah, no. Come- no uh, yeah, no, uh, no shrapnel there. Yeah, if it comes apart on launch, then you're then the shot doesn't count. The uh, the Rube Goldberg on those, especially on those uh, centrifugal force ones, is unbelievable to watch those things unwind, <laughs> and then they chuck those things. It's like wow. Yeah, somebody puts a lot of effort into those things, um, and a lot of money. I mean, especially you start building an air cannon, they got like. Uh, I think it's like big old 500-gallon uh, probably propane tanks that they'll cut the end out of and then attach a, I don't even know how long, 30-foot uh, steel tube on the end of it. And some of those things are just humongous. I know. I mean, they, they got them in on trucks. They look like uh, some of those super guns from World War Two. <laughs> it's like, Jesus. You think we're nuts in America now, Mark? Oh, no, I already knew you were nuts, but... Uh... We like our guns, Mark. <laughs> yes, we like the bigger that, the guns, the better. That's all right. I, I I don't mind when you put pumpkins in them. How about if we put pumpkin-headed people in them? Well, yeah, I'd probably fly a fair way. <laughs> okay. Well, how about how about we do this? We just you stand down range, and we'll fire pumpkins at you, and you catch them. Sounds pretty good. I like it. Yeah, you can, <laughs> yeah, you can, I, I tell you what, we'll practice first with rotten tomatoes to get used to it and work you up towards pumpkins. Oh, lovely. I, so then I'll smell by the time the crowd comes. I'm not sure any crowd's going to come that close to you by the time you're covered in rotten tomatoes and pumpkins. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the abuse. You've missed it so much. I haven't. I, I, I like being abused every single week. That's why I keep coming back for more. Yay! <laughs> Yay! So... So you said a couple times that Halloween isn't as big a deal in Australia as it is here, but you said that's changing? Yeah, it's radically changing, actually. I was up at the, the local shops last night, um, and it was amazing. that They've got a um, like a Halloween costume store, and for most of the year it's relatively quiet, but right before Halloween it is packed, people lining up out the out the door trying to get their costume or their, you know, scary mask, whatever they're looking at. And even all the other stores, they're starting to stock things like the trick-or-treat um, little carry bags and that for the kids. Um, they're stocking all the different witches' hats and stuff like that. So we're really getting into the spirit of it out here. It's nowhere near as big as it is in the U.S., uh, but we're certainly – come in quickly behind uh this year my kids will go out and do trick-or-treating um obviously not in the entire area where we live we've got uh streets where 
our families have got together and, and declared, okay, this is a safe street for the kids to be going and knocking on doors uh, for Halloween. And uh, even I got into the kitchen today and I, I made some spider cupcakes. Um, so, that you know, there's a little bit of something halloween as well. So we're, we're sort of getting into the spirit of it, and I love horror films too. So I've always been a big horror movie fan, horror music fan as well uh, for the shock rockers that actually oh. go into that, style of music so um i i enjoyed and and i i remember as a kid always thinking oh wow this is halloween and and you know 30 years ago we did nothing uh today i'm very happy though that we've got that tradition obviously it's of different origins we're following uh what you guys are doing rather than having our own origin of what halloween is but it's still just a, a, a great experience. The kids love it. it. Even the adults are having a lot of fun with it. So uh, it's very positive from our side of the fence. Yeah, well, you know, it's changed a lot for me in the last, I don't know, 10 years. I don't know if Mike's seen the same thing. I mean, it's always been a tradition to decorate with lights at Christmas, and, and you've seen pictures mm-hmm. of what I do. But more and more people are putting up elaborate outdoor displays with lights and stuff for Halloween. There's a house... Uh, on my way home in the development next to the one that I live in, they've got, it's a big two-story house, and they've put up a fake spider web that goes from the top of the roof down across the front of the house and out to the corners, and there's this spider that, you know, it's a fake one, at least I think it is because he doesn't move, (laughs) Uh, that's probably from leg tip to leg tip circumference of about four and a half or five feet crawling through the web. I mean, it's just unbelievable. It's all lit up. It's got lights in it. Uh, there's another house that has all kinds of orange and purple lights out front, and you know, I mean, we have a little bit. We've got a, an electric lit up spider web that hangs upstairs, but nothing That's like cool. that. Nothing like these people um, have got. I've seen a few in Watertown. Uh, I may have seen a web. I don't know if it lights up, but there's some of them had big blow up uh, toys out front, or you know, not the bouncy type things, but you have those that you can kind of blow up. Uh, uh, I've seen a few of those. There's a, a few more, you know, for Halloween. Uh, a lot of people get into the Christmas uh, and do that, but I've seen a, a few Halloween, a few houses get really I, well. I wouldn't say carried away, but they are certainly, you know, pun intended, getting into the spirit of Halloween. So. Yeah, i tell you one thing that's popular around here. You see on the farms, Michael probably knew this. I don't know if um, Mark's ever seen it. The round hay bales, you know, where they, instead of putting it in the bales, they just put it in a round bale. It, it looks like a big sort of roll. Pitchy roll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen yeah. those, yeah. Yeah, they'll take those and they'll take black tubing and put legs like coming off of it and then put black plastic over it and then stick a head on there with something. So it looked, so they turned this huge thing that would fill a pickup truck bed full to make it look like this giant spider. It's unbelievable. Cool. I, I see that all over the place. They do that around here now. And the corn maze uh, thing is, is a real craze too. Uh, they have a few up here. I've never done any, uh, but yeah, you just go through there and they'll, they'll take a cornfield and they'll hack out a maze or some people, uh, may even plant it, uh, that way. Uh, and then you have to just go through and it's better. The high, the bigger the corn is, if your corn's a little short, it's not going to be as good, but if you can get that stuff that's taller than you are and you have to go through there, um, it looks like that could be, you know, pretty interesting thing to do. 
Yeah, there's one, uh, again, another one I pass on the way to work every day. Uh, uh, what's it called? Can't think of, uh, think of it. Because uh, I tell you, and you can look it up on the website. But it's it's really, they've planted one. This is the second or third year they've done it. And um, they have, it's quite elaborate. They have a whole setup. They have a play area. And then I saw this evening on the way home, they're having it lit for tomorrow night so people can go out into the maze tomorrow night. Can you imagine going out into a dark cornfield? Because <laughs> it's only lit at the uh, entrance. <laughs> I don't have to imagine. I've been out there chasing cows in the middle of the night, so I've been down that road. There wasn't a maze. It was a regular cornfield. But, yeah, I've wandered through a cornfield at night. But did you at least have a flashlight? <sighs> mm, maybe. But that wouldn't have done you much good because the, uh, out here the cornrows are pretty close together, so all you would be seeing is cornrows. It, uh, yeah, true. Yeah, it, yeah. You're probably better off to you know, and I think there was probably some moonlight out there, so uh, you were probably better off to have your eyes adjusted so you could look around you and see what's going on. So, yeah, it's uh, I, it, just, it it flabbergasts me how much it's uh, how much people have gotten into it and. Uh, how much bigger Halloween has gotten. I mean, when I was a kid, it was just a matter of, uh, you know, trick-or-treating around the neighborhood. But now it's just unbelievable. So, well, and then Mark Mark said something about uh, uh, you had some, uh, what would you call them, shock rock songs or something like that? Yeah, it's um, just the, the shock rockers, um, the Rob Zombies uh, of this world, the Alice Coopers and so forth, they're very much, they've done the, the horror genre. Um, not necessarily aiming at Halloween, but um, that's the type of music that sort of gets brought out in the Halloween movies and so forth, and I've always enjoyed that kind of, uh, that kind well, of music. I dropped a link into Skype there for you, and maybe we can put it into the show notes. Uh, when you said that, that remembered uh, that reminded me of a song that scared the crap out of me when I was a teenager. Um, it was uh, from Blood Rock called DOA. Uh, and if I remember the song correctly, it was about this plane that was flying and got caught in uh, overhead wires and crashes. And uh, let's see here. Uh, I was going to uh, – was it – Oh, is there going to try and find the line? Something about, uh, oh, yeah, laying there looking at the ceiling goes the first line. Um, and then something about blood dripping through his fingers and something like that. It was just, and with my vivid imagination, I was listening to this song. Yep. And frankly, it just scared the crap out of me. Cool. I'll have to check that out because I haven't heard it. I've got the link and I'll have to look at it further. The other uh, probably big shock rocker um, that's rather common that sort of delves even more into the Halloween stuff is Wednesday 13. Um, a great artist, um, got his head together and, and so forth, a younger uh, musician, um, but really, really uh, has his head together well and, and just enjoys making good music with a, a Halloween-style uh, horror uh, genre, really. Oh, you know, I guess I've never, you know, there is, it is true about that, about that kind of stuff. Makes me think of that Australian artist that I've listened to a little bit. Um, she does uh, the Kill of the Night. Got Jen Wigman, Wing Wingman. I can't remember her name now, but she's Australian. S- Son's Kill of the Night. The song is the ki- the Kill of the Night. All right, let's go to iTunes. The <laughs> Kill of the Jen- Night. Jen Wig Wigmore. Wigmore. 
Wigmore. Oh, yeah, like, gin, gin Wigmore. Okay. okay. Yeah. Like like gin in, as in the drink, wig as in hair on your head, and just more. Which, I don't know, maybe... Well, actually, uh, cr- maybe. Cr- correction, she was born in New Zealand, so uh, you can't get that wrong. Oh, I thought they... No, when I was reading something is where I got that from. I didn't read where she was born. Oh, she, she's got a record deal with Universal Music Australia, but oh, maybe um, that's record where. deals between Australia and New Zealand, uh, they're the same, essentially, anyway. Um, I mean, she may live out here or, or something like that, but I, look, you know, Alistair will probably disagree, but Australia, New Zealand, we're basically the same country. I can't tell you two yeah. apart. Yeah, you guys don't get crap for anything down there, so I guess you're kind of equal in that respect. So. And, and your toilets go the wrong way when you flush them. So. No, it's the right way, just like we drive on the right side of the road. Look, we pulled up that map one time and proved that that's a minority thing in this in the world. Actually. Yeah, but who says that the majority rules and the majority are best? If, if we go by that philosophy, then we might as well, you know, Rem- kill ourselves. It all comes back to Star Trek, the good of the many outweighs the good of the few or the good of the one. Just remember that. Right. <laughs> or, you know, either that is the golden rule. He who has the most gold rules or whoever makes the rules rules. So, yeah. So, you know, we're or, bullies. Or whoever. Yeah, or whoever. I, I, I like being on the outside. I, I like I like going for the underdog. Well, what was it they used to say, too, when I was a kid? Who di- He who dies with the most toys wins. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if you're dying, I kind of hard. Uh, it's kind of hard for me to see the winning in that solution. I don't know. It's a, it just came out. Uh, I did find the link, and I posted that in the uh, chat there for you guys. It's called Wayside Farm in Berryville, Virginia. Uh, if the listeners are interested, and I'll try to remember to put that in the show notes. Um, but anyway, so I mean, you said Halloween's getting more and more popular. You're seeing more people decorating. Do people down there carve pumpkins, Mark? Yeah, some do. I um I don't because I have no idea how to, and I'd probably chop my hand off. Oh, it's and that not would be its own Halloween story. Um, but it, it, look, it's just something I haven't done. Uh, actually, one of the the parents, um, my my son was in uh, kindergarten, which is first year of school uh, in Australia last year, and one of the parents came in and he actually carved a pumpkin out and showed how it was done, which was pretty cool. I didn't see it, but I, I was heard about it and and so forth after the fact. So there are people who do it. Um, it's a, probably a little bit harder to get the, the right pumpkins out here. Like, we do have them, but I don't see a lot of them. You sort of see a few of them in the main big shopping markets, but uh, once they're sold out, they tend not to get many more. But uh, that's probably something that will change over time. You cannot bump uh, turn around without bumping into a place to buy a pumpkin around here. And I'm sure it's that way for Mike, too. I mean... The Kmart or Walmarts and the grocery stores all have them. Then you have all the home, the locally grown ones where they sell them by the pound, you know, 29, 39, some places as much as 49 cents a pound. So, I mean, it's, you know, and they have the pick your own where you go out in the pumpkin patch and pick it. Frankly, no, thank you. <laughs> but, um, they, they do have those sort of things too. Yeah, the other thing that we do have is we've got a lot of the plastic-made ones as well, which, of course, isn't traditional. But um, if you don't want to get your hands messy and you don't want something rotten on your front porch, you can just get one of the plastic ones. You put the candle in and, and hey, presto, it's a pumpkin. You know, there was something funny. Somebody showed one time where they – I mean, we always throw our pumpkins down in the woods behind the house a day or two after Halloween and let let them rot there because, you know, it's fine. It composts itself. 
um, because it's all natural. But somebody had one where they left it out for a long time, and they had a video of this squirrel that got into the pumpkin and started eating. And apparently the pumpkin had fermented enough that the squirrel got a little drunk from it. (laughs) (laughs) And he was walking up the tree backwards. (laughs) Oh, wow. It was hilarious. Are are you sure it's real and not just... uh redone yeah it looked uh, it, like it did. editing no it looked pretty i mean that wasn't the only thing he did he was just because he'd sure. stand there and fall over every once in a while and he was just oh that's funny yeah i'm sure it's probably on youtube somewhere if we could find it and uh but it was uh, you gotta love youtube yes yeah, you can find any any type of video you want and for the listeners out there i found the two videos that we saw that the we no- pornography you can't find that on youtube Actually, you can. The <laughs> Not the type I want to look up. Oh, okay. I'm talking software here. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, um, just remember, rule, rule 34, anything can be pornography on the internet. So there you go. That's true. That's very true. Uh, I did find those two songs, and I sent them to Mike. Uh, yeah, Mike from uh, last episode. Uh, Kinko, the kid-loving clown, and uh, They're Coming to Take Me Away was the other one. Kinko the kid loving clown. My it's God, a, why it's, did I get an image of a pedophile in my head right then? Oh, it's more disturbing than that. It's so. very, really? it, it's very yes. disturbing, and it used to get played on the radio. Yeah, <laughs> not in these enlightened times, but yeah, back you know, uh, uh, Doctor Demento, he would play all those kinds of weird, weird and disturbing songs. Very, very disturbing. Like the fish head song that I talked about. All of it, very disturbing. And, and, and so speaking of disturbing and keeping with the Halloween theme, I wanted to get uh, input from you guys on what your favorite scary movie is. Now, it doesn't have to be something that scares the crap out of you, but your favorite horror scary flick. And I know Mark has probably six or seven million titles in his head. So I'll start yeah, with Yeah, I've him. got a few. <laughs> Uh, House of a Thousand Corpses would probably be one of my favourites um, and one of the best ones I've, I've seen. It's a Rob Zombie film, as you guys know. I, I love Rob Zombie as an artist. I also love him as a director and a writer. Um, he just has this knack of bringing horror to the screen that I, I think is – there hasn't – there's been a lot of years where horror has been sort of hit and miss for me um, and since he's come back in – uh, things have started to pick up, and it's been getting better. Insidious, though, was probably one of the, the scariest films I've seen in the last year. It was just um, really quite frightening, where I, I almost didn't want to finish watching it. Um, so You've got Silence of the Lambs. You've got Carrie, The Exorcist. Um, Sleepy Hollow, which is one of my all-time favorite uh, horror movies. I just It's not really... It is horror, but it's not horror. I just I love the story, and really, a, a good horror flick is, for me is not a slasher film. It's got to be, it's got to have the story. So I don't go for necessarily uh, Nightmare on Elm Street because, frankly, the the first one was okay, and then after that, it just went downhill. Same with the Scream movies. The first Scream was good, but after that, it just got ridiculous. It's like, okay, yeah, as if they're going to keep having this same problem pop up and, and keep going. Uh, and look, there's, there's probably a ton that I, I can't think of uh, off the top of my head, but one that really gets me, which is actually more sci-fi, and, and it's not like, it's not even horror, but is the movie Moon. 
Um, it's just eerie. It's one guy on the moon. It's isolated. It's one of the best movies I've ever seen. I absolutely adore the movie. But it is, it, if you fear loneliness and fear being alone, and if you're watching it by yourself, you can really get into that movie. It's um, just absolutely wonderful. It really plays on the fear aspect of no one else is there to help you. You are on this other planet. You're the only person on this other planet. And what ends up happening essentially is that he's a clone. Um, and oh yeah, the clone, clone keeps dying, and then he gets reborn or, or re-released into this adult self with the knowledge of the previous clone. And but he keeps trying to get home to his family, but he can't. And the computer system is basically doing like 2001: Space Odyssey did, where uh, you know it's restricting him from from getting a signal back to Earth and and back to his family and so forth. And it's just. It's absolutely riveting. They they put it in iTunes under thriller. It's definitely a thriller. Uh, it could be a horror. It's definitely a sci-fi. It's just, in my opinion, one of the best uh, films I've ever seen that, that crosses many genres. It's definitely worth buying or renting. It's so strong. Just the the really the one actor, Sam Rockwell. He's just absolutely amazing in that film. Yeah, I think. Mike, didn't you all do a sci-fi tech talk yep. on that? Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah, it saves me from doing the self-promoting uh, promotion here. But, yeah, we did do that one, and we talked about you know a lot of those things. And, yeah, that was a good movie. And, like I say, it was, it's a simple movie. They have, like, I don't know, three sets. Uh, you got the moon, the lab, and, uh, you know, it's uh, – and you've got, oh, what? I think about four actors. It's not a really mm-hmm. big, you know, not a lot of actors, but yeah, it, but it's, it's also kind of the simplicity, uh, because, um, you know, it's kind of, yeah, I want to say it's kind of like Hitchcock in the, uh, fact that, you know, he didn't have to have blood and gore to, you know, kind of shock yeah. you. And this one was kind of the same thing. There was a lot of things, um, you know, it wasn't maybe necessarily shock, but they were able to do a lot of things without having to have a lot of special effects or, you know, big elaborate sets or a lot of actors to do it. But yeah, I think it was just in its simplicity and in its, uh, the way that it told the story. Uh, yeah, it was a good, and it was engaging and you did kind of get that feeling of being alone on the moon, I guess. Yeah, that would be kind of scary. That, uh, to to the feeling of isolation and be kind of like uh, that episode of the Twilight Zone where he was he the guy was in the library or what it was he was in the, no he's in a bank vault and the world ended and then he had all the time in the world to do all the reading he wanted do you remember that episode hmm. yeah Burgess Meredith yes and he gets yes, all and the, yeah he gets all the books and then he breaks his glasses yeah because he was horribly uh, what farsighted. Yeah. yeah, he couldn't read up, couldn't read without his glasses. Because as he's running out of the library, he's happy because he was basically antisocial, and you know the, the people in the world just kind of annoyed the crap out of him. So he was finally going to be able to do the thing that he loved: be alone with all of his precious books and read, and not have people disturb it. And the final scene is I forget exactly how it happened. He's running out of the library or something. He trips and falls, or his glasses fall off and they break. And then so his dream is shattered because he can't. Uh, uh, do the thing that he wanted to do the most. Yeah. And boy, that would have been a, a good segue into audiobooks, but we've got to keep on the topic. 
<laughs> uh, we'll get. We'll come back to that. I promise. I sure. Promise we'll come back. Well, so Mike, what's your favorite? Well, let's see. You know, another one that we did on Sci-Fi Tech Talk was Aliens. Uh, or a- which was yeah, the first one? I, Alien? Alien was the first one, and then Aliens, right. and then Alien Three, and then I forget what they called Four, but yeah, it was Alien then Aliens. Yeah, so that one, you know, I thought was pretty good. And again, it was kind of the, I thought they did it right. You only saw the monster or, the, you know, the thing uh, in the first movie uh, at just towards the end there. They mm-hmm. didn't have it, you know, running around. So, you know, they did that right. Uh, so I thought that was a good one. Um, another one that I liked, and it's more of a mini series than it is a movie, but uh, Stephen King's Rose Red, I thought oh, was a pretty yes, good. yes, I love that movie. Oh, I haven't right. seen that I got, Got to say, yeah, Kevin. Yeah, it was. Uh, I I got sucked into it because one of the kids in there uh, is an autistic kid. Okay, you, mm-hmm. you know, you throw autism in there, it'll suck me in every time. But I got to watching, it, and that was just one of those movies that you know. And Stephen King, you know, uh, I I should sit down and take the time to do some of his books. But I watched a few of his movies. Uh, I think I watched The Langoliers. I don't quite remember Langoliers. What, I I love that. That's yes. where the 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 sort of past is eating away and, and catching up to the present. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. They sort of go into this time warp and it's just, they're just slightly again, ahead really of eerie. Time. And, um, I, I, I love Stephen King films, but I'm, I'm a big Stephen King buff. I've, I've read all his books and I just, I love him as an author and I know a lot of people dislike him, but you know, that that's for their own idiotic reasons. Um, I just think he's a, a wonderful storyteller. And uh, again, as I think we're all hitting on today, it doesn't have to be blood and gore, and he doesn't necessarily have everything as gorish as, as some other authors do. Um, you sort of, you get, I, I think really you get the fear more, just with Mike talking about Alien, you get the fear more not being able to see what the terror is, not being able to see what the evil is, and just living life through these characters. Yeah. that I remember going to see Alien. It was funny, it, but it was kind of funny, too. I saw it in, uh, was visiting a friend down in North Carolina, and we went into an, a, a, a theater in kind of a very urban inner city area. And we were sitting there, and they got to, uh, I can't remember where it was. It was towards the end of the movie, and Sigourney it was one of those last battles that she, Sigourney Weaver was having with uh, the alien. And uh, she did something, and one guy down front says, Hey, man, what you going to do now? She got you. <laughs> <laughs> Started hollering at the screen. I went, Oh, Lord, help me. <laughs> so, All right. Now, uh, Mike, with, with Rose Red, did you know that they did the um, the documentary and the, the book ahead of time, the, the diary of hmm. Ellen Rimbarrow? No, I don't remember that. No, I do remember watching it on TV, and I think I, it was on TV. I think as a mini series, and then they spun it off. I think I've got—I got to check. I think I've got the DVDs around for it here somewhere. I know I do have a copy of it. Um, yeah, and I'm trying to remember. It's been a while. I should sit down and rewatch it. There's a several I should watch. I haven't watched the Langoliers in a while. I should watch that. Uh, the Shining. Uh, you know, which, another which one? King one. Which one? What? Which, which version of The Shining, the one with Jack Nicholas or There's, the 97 you know, release? With Nicholson, yeah. You got to have the. I, I, I get, did they remake that one? I guess they, I don't they, remember. They remade it. I actually preferred the remake um, that they did in mm. the late 90s. Um, okay. You know, both of them are great movies. Um, I, I've got no 
issue really. I just preferred watching the, the new one, maybe because I'd seen the other one so many times before. Well, I'm not sure, but um, I should give the new one a good. shot there and see what it's like. You know, my thing is, I you know the iconic here's Johnny. You know, I'd have to see if they did it in that other movie and how they, well they, they did. did, but. That's probably not as well. I mean, the, the, okay. the main character probably isn't as strong, but Danny right. Torrance is a better character, in my opinion, in, in the new miniseries or the newer miniseries. Okay. Uh, so I should, I should give it a try. I don't mind remakes if it brings something interesting to it. I don't necessarily compare it with the old ones, but mm-hmm. uh, if it brings something interesting and makes a compelling movie, uh, I would be for that. And then I had one other thing here. I won't. Um, well, it fits in with the theme of Halloween. There's a TV show in the United States called Sleepy Hollow. Um, I've been meaning and- to watch that, but I, I just haven't. Because, uh, of course, I like the film. But is it right. is it based even remotely near the film as sort of a, a TV series continuation, or is it completely I don't remember, different? I don't remember the film. In this one here, Ichabod Crane... Um, is in modern America. He had been put into a trance. Uh, it's one of those things. It's more supernatural. It has to do with the uh, biblical end of days, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Um, yeah. And well, the, the movie did deal with that, Mike, but it didn't deal with it in modern day. It dealt with it okay. in, in, um, oh, I want to say colonial. 1600s. Yeah. Something. The colonial America. Yeah, yeah. Right. So it dealt with it at a different time, which I, I think I like because I'm also a history buff, and you know, being able to go back in history, even though it's not accurate history, um, right. it, it's just interesting to see someone's interpretation of what that time would have been. Well, you might like this then because I like those kind of shows that'll take. Uh stories and fables that we're familiar with and try to tie them in with their, you know, their mythos. And, you know, it, they got to do it right. They just can't like plunk it in there. Mm-hmm. So one episode they were, uh, did, um, I'm trying to remember now. The last one was Skinwalkers, which I, I think was a, uh, uh, American Indian, um, legend. They also had, um, Oh shoot. I'm trying, oh, now I'm blanking out what they've done, but they have taken, uh, uh, Characters from you know, and I don't know, maybe for you in Australia it won't be quite as uh, interesting, but they've taken some uh, characters from the American Revolution. They've had Ben Franklin in there. Uh, they've had uh, Betsy Ross. They've had a few other ones like that. But then they've also taken some of the legends that uh, you know we're familiar with. You know, maybe in this country, maybe kind of worldwide, uh, and have kind of tied them in there uh, along with this because apparently. Uh, Ichabod Crane was put into a uh, suspended animation by his wife, who is a witch, a good witch, uh, to, and he's going to be one of the witnesses, uh, one of the two witnesses in the uh, the apocalypse. And so there, and head, the headless horseman is there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, he said, I'm, I'm, hopefully, I've whetted your appetite, but haven't really spoiled anything. I think, I think you would be interested, in and you could probably get into it. Cool. I, I would definitely check it out because I, I know that we've got it on some of the streaming services out here, and uh, it's just I haven't checked it out, so I'll definitely have a look. Well, you know, Mark, too, that that uh, the that legend or Sleepy Hollow, that area, is up near, generally in the area where Lisa Paselli lives. Ah, there you go. So mm. she might have seen the Headless Horse, and she should tell us. Absolutely. Know. Yeah, she should. We, we, we demand to know. Yes, Lisa, we're demanding to know 
If you have seen the Headless Horseman, please. Yeah, and it can't be like nearly head, Headless Nick. It's got to be completely headless because <laughs> nearly Headless Nick is a different dude uh, okay. from a different series. Okay. That different one. mythology. Okay. Well, then I'm thinking about over here. They have a TV commercial for Snickers or something like that, and they have the uh, the Horseless Headsman. Yeah, the Horseless Head. Yeah, I just saw that one a little while ago, too. Yeah. Interesting. And it's yeah, Albert Einstein's be- head. <laughs> Which is okay. kind of scary in of its in and of itself. So yeah, it's 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 very strange. Um, well, I know that both of you will like my, one of my favorite horror movies, Christine by Stephen King. I mm-hmm. love that movie. I love it. Yeah, I remember that one. Yeah. I haven't seen that for oh, a good couple of years, oh. but it is good. It's very good. I, I have. Uh, I'm actually recording it. It was on tonight. And I'm recording it so I can watch it. The kids have never seen it, so I think I'll let my kids watch it tomorrow night. Should do good to scare them with the crap out of them on Halloween. You know, that's the kind of age that your kids are. Where I started getting into horror movies, I, I remember uh, watching at my uncle's house. They had like a Stephen King marathon, and they had Pet Cemetery on first, and then they had Graveyard Shift. And Graveyard Shift scared the living hell out of me. This big giant rat. Uh, but, you know, thinking back, I was like 10, but it was also one of the, the best experiences of my life. Uh, and I know that sounds strange, but that that fear and that fight or flight uh, response that you get when you watch a horror film, I think that's half the fun of why we want to, to see it. We Because, you know, when you think about it, you don't get that in, in life anymore. We're not fighting with that saber-toothed tiger to, to get the feed to feed our family. Uh, so we we appreciate getting that fear and that adrenaline rush in the safety of our own homes and that is really a wonderful thing about horror films and um you know anything to do with halloween and horror in general it just it puts that sense of fear into you and, and gets the adrenaline going yeah i remember there was a movie and there's been a ton of them made with the same title but it, there was a movie made called the boogeyman and and I again, if you look in IMDb, there's half a dozen or more movies with that name. But the we uh, a couple friends of mine, we were you know 18 year old guys, big strapping guys, decided to go see this movie one night. And because we'd heard it had been filmed in the general area around here where we, where we live, and we went to see it. And the the plot of the movie is that when a mirror gets broken, any evil or anything it's seen is released, and it oh, cool. like and that. Yeah, and it witnessed this horrible guy be murdered, or he was murdered, or something like that. He was abusive, and then to these little kids, and the one little kid ended up killing him, or something like that. But then it's all these people that any time the mirror flashes and catches light, then something terrible happens to the person that got the 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 light blinked on. And it was just it was just so freaky. I can't describe it. And again, three big strapping eighteen year old guys. We came out of the theater. We were all scared to death. We got in the car. We covered all the mirrors. We didn't even want to look in the you know the side view mirrors or the rear view mirror on the car. And we were freaking you know, two o'clock in the morning. We're driving home all scared to death, and we were freaked out for probably two or three days because of this. Movie. I mean, when they film it someplace that you know, you know, someplace you see every so often, it made it even that more that much more eerie. You know, kind of like the yeah, Blair. It brings a reality to it. Um, there's one movie, and I, I can't remember what it's called at the moment, but it's based on uh, the house called Monte Cristo in Australia, and it's Australia's most haunted house. You can actually go and stay there, 
uh, and go for the the uh, tours and so forth. And I actually, I'm, I'm trying to get the family down there to do it because uh, I, I love that kind of thing. Uh, and they actually made an Australian movie on it. I've still got to see it. I can't remember what it's called, but if you look up Monte Cristo, um, then you'll be able to sort of link to the movie somehow. Um, it's only available on DVD at the moment. It's not on streaming services. It's only relatively new. Um, but, you know, when, when it's somewhere that you can go and visit, yeah, the the uh, reality kicks in the the mind and you start to go, oh, I wonder. Yeah. Well, and, you know, you know I, I had one more movie before we moved on uh, to the next subject there that I watched when I was a kid. Do you remember the uh, the movie Ben with Michael Jackson in it? Oh, I, rats. I, I remember the soundtrack. <laughs> like the, yeah. So, like his sign in the, the video clip. But I didn't realize there was a movie, though, Mike. It's a freaky yeah, yeah. movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was about uh what was it this kid that liked rats and uh, it's been so long since I watched I brought up the the page here but uh but basically he had all these rats and I think he uh kind of what did happen he turned the rats against people or something Yeah, like that. he he tamed the rats, he got them to kind of do his bidding for him. They he turned them into like a little army like his boss fired him and he complained to it and the rats went and ate his boss and and you know they ended up eating his mother at one point and and, all, and he was feeding and taking care of all the rats you know cuddling them and all this sort of thing so it was and for and for somebody who's growing up on the farm and has had to deal with rats that was kind of well that was creepy yeah just I, I well, and then you know a, a true story here that one of my friends told me. Uh, uh, his grandpa went into a, a a granary. For those who don't know, it's a place where we store grain out here in the farm. And he walked in there, and as he walked in, this rat ran up the pant leg of his uh, coveralls. And so he's peeling his uh, coveralls off as fast as he can. So after that, anytime he went into a granary, he took twine strings and tied his pant leg shut so that that would never happen again. You can't <laughs> blame him for that one. You know another no. movie, another movie that was filmed around here that you all might have heard of the Blair Witch Project. Yep, yep. That was filmed within about thirty minutes of my house. That's it's it's and that little town. So you are the Blair Witch. Uh, I've been called worse. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the weird thing is that little town that that movie was filmed near. Yeah. Even before this was years before the movie came out. We used to go over there. That town was just freaky anyway. You go through there in the middle, you know, not, or I won't say the middle of the night. You go through there like 7, 8 o'clock in the evening, and there's all these old Victorian-style homes and, 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 and like that. And you'd see the lights on, and you'd see, like, the table set for dinner, but you'd never see anybody moving inside the houses. It is just freaky. It was just, it was just weird. But it's a little town outside of uh, a place called Brunswick, Maryland. It's not even technically an incorporated town, but it's it's bizarre. It's it's just a weird looking little town. Because we used to take people over and they'd get drunk and freak them out. That was always fun. But you know, <laughs> take them out, get them drunk, take them over there, make them freak out, throw up, and we'd go home. It was you know, it was a Saturday evening. It was something to do. So, <laughs> but uh, as as, we were, as as Mark mentioned earlier, though, there was another topic that we we were discussing. And it's a good segue, sort of, from the uh, uh, Twilight Zone reference into audiobooks. And, and Mark and Mike both have strong opinions on the subject. So uh, I'll go with Mark. You're the one that brought the topic up. Yeah, I, look, I've just been thinking more about getting into back 
I should say back into audiobooks because I, I've got a selection of, of a small few, maybe a dozen, I guess, that I've bought over the last five or six years. And because, you know, I, I read books predominantly. I'm, I'm reading one to two books a week. And I'm sort of like, well, can I fit audio books into my lifestyle? The other thing, too, is that I've had this love-hate relationship going for years as to whether or not the audio, the audio book is actual reading or whether it's just listening to a story being told and, and does it use the same part of your brain um, as actually reading a book. And that's a, a very different and interesting way to look at it because obviously with the audio book you've got that professional uh, reader there who is pronunciating every single word correctly, going with the flow correctly as it should be. And it, it really is the narrator. Uh, that's read in the book that that makes the audio book experience. It's not necessarily the author that has made it. You know, you can have a great book and have a, a terrible uh, voiceover guy do uh, the the reading of the book, and you will not enjoy it. So that, that's why I've had the love hate relationship with it because I, I enjoy it, but then it's also finding the good ones. The other issue that I've got is. Buying them on CD, buying them on iTunes, they cost an arm and a leg. Like they're, they're quite expensive. They're not cheap. They're gen- they're, they are generally always uh, more expensive than buying the, the book. Uh, and they, they start around oh, anywhere from about $25 upwards, depending on what you're after. And you go to the Harry Potters and you're paying like $50 and $60 uh, or even more for some of the um, – more involved books but i was looking recently because I, I ordered a book the other day and it came in and um anyway they, they sent a, a little promo thing from audible and i'm thinking oh you know I, I wonder if i should go with audible and uh and actually go on their subscription for 14.95 a month and then get that free audio book and you get a couple of discounts here and there every month uh it certainly makes sense it's cheaper um, but at the same time, I, I don't know if I want to be tied in. I want to know if you guys knew anything about Audible and, and sort of what what goes on there. And Because I, I remember years ago when Leo Laporte would plug it like there was no tomorrow, I really prostituted poor Audible. Uh, but, you know, it, it was always about, uh, you know, you subscribe, you're $14.95 a month, and then you get to own the book even if you stop your, your subscription. But I haven't been able to find any of that reference uh, on Audible when I looked in the last couple of days to say that, hey, you'll, you'll get to actually keep the book. Um, so, yeah, thoughts? <laughs> um, I haven't had an Audible subscription. I think I may have bought a book or two from them. Um, well, I was going to say, too, uh, there's a couple other options um, so you don't necessarily have to buy one, check out your local library, because uh, here in, in South Dakota, we have the state uh, library. They worked with uh, Overdrive, which is through, um, oh, shoot, what's the company? Uh, does Photoshop, uh, Adobe, I think. Mm-hmm. But anyway, there's the Overdrive service. So you can check out audiobooks. You can check out ebooks too, with that. Um, and there's a lot there because I, I use that from time to time because, you know, with my job, I'm pushing broom. I have time that I can actually actually work and listen to books. And so I was uh, looking at uh, and, they you know, even for South Dakota here, they got a fair selection of books. They got a bunch of science fiction books that I was looking at and I was thinking about getting into. So, you know, check to see if there's something locally. There. And I think a lot of these uh, 
when we did our uh, sci-fi tech talk uh, show on um, Hyperion. That was a book that I had originally checked out through the state library, but I liked it so much. I had a link in there, and I ended up buying it from Amazon and uh, keeping it. And then I went and got the uh, second book, too. Um, so there's that option there that, you know, if you like it well enough, you could actually buy it and own it. Um, but, you know, check your library out. The other thing is, and I've done that a few times, and your, your, your mileage may vary on this one, but LibriVox is a place where they will take, yep. you know, these are like the classic books, uh, probably public domain, you know, anything oh, that yeah. doesn't have copyright. But that's still good, though, because I listened to some you know, the classics, uh, some Sherlock Holmes ones, some H.G. Uh, Wells. Uh, you know, a bunch of the classics like that. So they are there now again. And you, you were saying it. And I did list. I started listening to a um, Sherlock Holmes one, and the reader that was doing it was atrocious uh, because they would get to the point where they were going to, you know, exclaim something. Or you know, and I always, when I was a teenager reading Sherlock Holmes, I always kind of giggled and did the stupid schoolboy thing. But you know how they would ejaculate certain statements. Um, he would do that, and I had to rip my headphones off because I think I just about lost my hearing because he kind of <laughs> screeched it out. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, because yeah, so I noticed LibriVox is uh, read by volunteers from around the world, so it's kind yes. of an interesting service, really, isn't it? So it's free. Yeah. yeah. So it's public domain books, and yeah. then volunteers read it. Um, right. and then and then publish it. That's kind of cool, but, yeah, right. getting the, the right person to read right. it could be a little bit difficult. Yeah, well, and the thing is, you may may not even have the same person reading chapter to chapter because I've yeah. done some where mm -hmm. it's a team effort. Yeah, sure. It's yeah. still interesting. Though. I'll still have a look at it and and um, and see what I think. Yeah, because it's was, free. Yeah, it's free. I got uh, can't, can't go wrong with free. I got Red Badge of Courage from uh, LibriVox that I was listening to, but a couple of the readers were a little tough on some of the chapters. But I'm getting through it slowly, but. I, I'm actually thinking about cutting back a little bit on podcasts and doing some audiobooks for a while just to change things up. I've really cut back on podcasts to the stage where I actually don't even have any in a podcast feed anymore. Oh. Well, I've kind of... Yeah. I, um, yeah. I don't know if I explained it really on NAMP this week or not. I, I can't remember. Things, um, things go crazy in my head sometimes. What I do now is I wait until I see the... Um, the notification coming through on Twitter or Facebook to say, oh, we've released a new episode. Then I check what the subjects are about, the topics are about, and then if I'm interested, I listen. If I'm not interested, I move on. And the reason why I've done it that way is I was getting to a stage where I constantly had 20 and 30 podcasts just sitting there that hadn't been listened to. And, you know, new ones would come out every week and so many shows subscribe to. And, it, it became a job and a chore for me to actually listen to these shows. And I, I started to realize I didn't actually enjoy them. I was starting to speed them up and listen to them at 1.5 times and even 2.0 times uh, at you know at different stages. And I thought, you know what, I, I don't want to be consuming media like this. This is not what makes me happy. I'll just wait until I said the topic line up, and if I like it, I'll listen to it. If I don't like it, then I won't listen to it. Yeah, because you can, I mean, like I say, I listen to anywhere from 12 to 16 hours of audio-only podcasts every week, and mm -hmm. then I probably do another three to four hours of video podcasts every week, so 
I'm quite the podcast junkie. Kevin, being a podcast junkie, do you ever feel like it becomes a chore that you're listening to it for the sake of listening to it? I know even just with myself, you guys know how much I love music, but there's even been stages where it's like, okay, I'm going through and listening to this stuff in a specific order because, and and there's no real answer to that because. It's just, it's become a habit and... Instead of enjoying it at the right point in time, I'm playing it because, oh, it's on the shelf and I've paid for it and I have to play it. Yeah, Um, I I mean, I don't feel that way, but one thing that got, mm -hmm. I used to, but one thing that changed my opinion or got me better about it was me deciding, you know, these people put their heart and soul into it and I do want to listen to it, but also at times... I'll declare what I've called, and we've talked about it before, podcast bankruptcy, where I've gotten behind on a show or two or three, and I'll get behind. Now, there are a couple where I try never to get behind, and I just clear them out and start, you know, start with the most current episode. And about every three or four months, I have to do that, I found now, because of the number of shows I subscribe to. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, used, it used to be a chore. It used to be something I really yeah. worked at. Yeah, but you're right. Let me let, let let me ask you with with um, Mac podcasts because obviously we're interested in technology. How many Mac podcasts, Mac centric podcasts, do you think you'd listen to on any given week that you've got in your podcast feed? Um, probably seven, eight. Yeah, that, that's kind of where I was at. Um, at one stage and what I found was that there was a hell of a lot of repetition so I'd listen to maybe two or three shows and there was a bit of variety but it was kind of the same talking heads talking about the same thing just on different shows if you will Um, and with the, the same opinions and I just I grew very tired of that I I like new and unique opinions all the time and parroting what someone else has said or going on multiple shows and saying the same thing is not what I want to hear. So that's also why I've stepped away as well. And I look at the show notes, oh, okay, yes, I'll, I want to hear more about that topic from, from that person. And for me, it just works, and therefore it stops being a chore. Well, the way well, I and- – oh, go ahead, Mike. Yeah, I was just I was looking at mine here at my podcast list, and I've got you know you're saying Mac podcast. Well, uh, let's see, you know Mac specific. I've got well uh, you're on there, but then I've got uh, my Mac uh, podcast, uh, Mac Roundtable when they turn out one, Mac Cast, um, Mac Power Users, Mac Geek Gab, mm-hmm. and the Mac Gist, and uh, but then I also got uh, Ken Ray's uh, Mac OS Ken and uh, the Mac Observer's Daily Podcast. Those are different enough, uh, like the, uh, uh, oh, let's see here. Um, Mac Power users usually discuss a, a topic that's probably not necessarily, well, it can be current stuff, but they're also ter- uh, talking about workflows and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mac Cast, he'll sometimes talk about technical issues. Same way with the Mac Geek Gab. They'll go off on more technical stuff, so it's not necessarily newsy stuff. 
Um, and so there's enough of a breakup there. And then, like I say, Mac OS Ken is usually the he's daily, so then he'll kind of give you the Apple news. And so for me, that stuff is uh, different enough in content that yeah, they overlap, especially like you know, on release day for stuff. Yeah. There's gonna be a lot of overlap, but sometimes just a varying opinion or different point of view on this stuff, you know, doesn't necessarily hurt. But um, so it, you know, it's varied enough, but. You know, I do about oh, 20 to 30 hours of podcast listening a day just, again, because of the way I work and everything. But there's been times when uh, I have gone through and looked at my podcasts. And, you know, I did kind of feel that, you know, there was a time that was kind of a – it did kind of feel like a chore. But then what I did was I just started going through individual podcasts and say, okay, I know these people. I'll keep listening. This one here – yeah, okay, I get something out of that once in a while. I'll keep it around, um, and I'll keep a few others around. There's a Linux podcast I keep in there because I like you know learning about Linux once in a while. And I just kind of went through, and I pared it down a little bit, and I have some that I call filler podcasts that if I get through the ones I you know like to listen to and I want something else, I may listen to it. And every once in a while, I'll just kind of go through there and flip them out of the way and just delete them. But if I want something, uh, you know, I can do that. And I... You have kind of gotten away from the audio books uh, a little bit here, and now I'm gonna. And I had to go down and renew my uh, 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 library card um, so I could, you know, get, re, uh, download this stuff. So I went back and, and I'm going to start doing a few more of those. I think as uh, it goes along. So yeah, my podcast listing has. I'm not as intense as I was, and I'm not listening to as many. But you know, the ones I listen to are generally the ones that I want to listen to, and I get mm-hmm. something out of them. Well, you know what I like to do too. That I've mixed in some. They're not Mac specific, um, like Andy Anatko's the Anatko Almanac. Just because I find oh, Andy, yeah. I find him very entertaining, and he talks about topics that um, aren't necessarily Mac related. They're just kind of technology related. In some cases, not even that. So that's always good. And Merlin Mann on Back to Work. Um, I enjoy that one, too. It's kind of a mix-up. And I have a couple Linux podcasts that I keep in there, too, that I throw in. Um, and I'm always on the lookout for comedy type of podcast. There was a Penn, Penn Teller was doing one that was interesting, but I don't think I've listened to it for quite a while. I probably ought to throw that back in. So I try to mix it up, you know, and throw stuff in. And yep. and, and uh, another shameless plug for, for you uh, on uh, Sci-Fi Tech Talk. To me, that's not oh. computer specific, and that's a nice no. one to have in there too. It breaks up the the Mac stuff. Right. So, so when I set up my playlists, I'm very careful. You know, a little bit of Mac, Mac, and then something else, Mac, Mac, something else. You know, to to break it up. Well, and I was going to say something that I've started doing is I've discovered. Um, I, I guess I knew they were out there, but I discovered them recently. Uh, there, there are podcasts that will follow a TV show. So mm-hmm. I've got a, a couple on here that follow the Sleepy Hollow TV show, and then another one that I just started listening to today that I uh, seem to really like. Uh, it follows the Person of Interest TV show uh, that we have in America here. So I'll uh, I'll do that where uh, I'll listen, and then and then in the same way the. Uh, uh, Mission Log podcast where they're going back and looking at Star Trek is kind of the same thing. They go episode by episode, but I have a few of those. So I'll watch the TV show and then I'll hold that podcast off till I make sure I got the, the TV show watched. But I'll sit there and then see what they have to say about the episode, what I thought about the episode. So there's a few of those that's, you know, that's kind of a different take on things. And uh, those, if you find the right ones, because some of them, you know, can be a little, mm, little dry, but uh, there's a couple there that are interesting and have some 
some rather you know insightful things to say. And you, it's just uh, listening to somebody else's opinion about something that you like. So that's uh, uh, something else that I like to listen to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and once I like I said, once I decided that I didn't have to listen to every episode, I, try, I you know I do look at the topics and the guests and see um, if it's something that I haven't heard. If it's different content, maybe is the best way to say it. Something that's not a repeat of two other shows or something like that. And that's no denigration to any show that does that. Um, but that's what I enjoy listening to, too. I'll throw some of that in, and that breaks it up. But, you know, I used to listen to audiobooks a lot when uh, my wife and I, before the kids were born, when we would travel a lot, we would get um, uh, a lot of books. She was big into uh, Patricia Cornwell, who's an author who wrote, mm-hmm. who writes a lot of murder mystery type books crime solving books and we yep. listened to those when we travel this is when, when they were on cassette tape and i always enjoyed that and i had a few books on cd at one time one of the best ones i ever heard on cassette tape and i think i still have it is uh bill gates book business at the speed of light i thoroughly i've got the book of that but i don't don't have the uh audio book i forget who read it but it was good and even somebody... uh, that, that book is very good actually i I'd recommend it to anyone, whether you're a Mac uh, fan or not, or just love technology and just love an insight. It's absolutely wonderful. I wish you'd do a follow-up. Yeah, the guy, the guy was brilliant. I mean, or is brilliant. Oh, yeah. You can't take that away from mm-hmm. him. I even listened to your, one of your favorite people's book, Mike, Mark, uh, the book by Michael Dell. Ah, that I didn't one. even know he had a book. What was he getting desperate? He couldn't sell his computers anymore? No, this has been years ago. <laughs> I, I joke, of course. No, I honestly didn't know I had a book. Yeah, it was. Well, it wasn't too bad. Well, uh, and then you know, uh, one of my favorite books, uh, audio books, um, was Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, mm-hmm. because that was read by Stephen Fry. Um, and I, I made the mistake, I guess you could call it a mistake of listening to it while I was in school. And I think someone would probably thought the janitor had finally, you know, snapped and <laughs> lost his mind. Cause I'm listening to it as I'm walking down the hall and they would say something, I'd start laughing. And I think a few people gave me sideways looks going, should we be running for the door about now? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> but you know, it's one of those things I do like humor, but to get me to laugh out loud takes a certain something. And that book yeah. did it because they had just enough of the quirky British humor, and Stephen Fry reads it really well. Stephen so, Fry's done a lot of things, actually, in the audiobook realm. He's, uh, right. he's quite prolific, actually. Yeah, so like I say, that, I read that one, and that one just you know, was a good audio book for me all around. Yeah, they, um, you know, one of my favorites is uh, Patrick Stewart read uh, uh, Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. That's mm-hmm. a good one. That's a good, I really enjoyed that. I haven't listened to that for years. I don't know if I still have it even, but I thoroughly enjoyed that because I mean Patrick Stewart just has the perfect voice for reading something like that anyway. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Yeah, it's uh, it's really good. Those are, but you know, the like I said, I was listening from LibriVox, uh, Mike. I got the Red Badge of Courage. That's one you might enjoy, Mark. Maybe not from LibriVox, but it's uh, about a story of a soldier during the American Civil War. Mm-hmm. You might enjoy that one. It's pretty interesting. I like the Badge the, of Courage. Okay, yeah. I'll, um, I'll put that in my wish list and, and give it a look. Yeah, oh, it's uh, yeah. It was the book's free anyway, so um, 
you can't yeah, go whether wrong. or not I, yeah you can't go wrong with that i turn 99 awesome yeah it's uh it's it's really a pretty good book i enjoyed it um i remember i read it two or three times so i thought listening to it would be something completely different and it was like i said a couple of the chapters are a little hard to listen to but the rest of it's pretty good it actually is it's mm. a good source and and mike's right our my local library they they will they will lease our or lend audiobooks as well as kindle books too you can get the yeah, electronic I'm, I'm sure our local library probably does the same thing i just haven't stepped foot in a library for 15 20 years well <laughs> the, i have my own collection so well, and the thing is, with uh, this overdrive service, you don't have to go into the library. You can do it on your device online mm-hmm. uh, because we have a library in town here. It's small, and I know the librarian. She's a nice lady, but I hardly ever go in there. Uh, but I will, you know, like I said, I had to go in there and make sure, you know, pay my fee for this overdrive service. Mm-hmm. So I have to go in there about once a year. I, I'm sure they'd like me to come in more often, but uh, or maybe not. They might know me. But anyway, um <laughs> <laughs> so with this, you don't have to go to the library. You can be wherever you are, and you, you know, have an internet connection of some sort, and you can sit there browse. Oh, this movie, you know, this uh, book looks interesting. You know, so you can download it, and you know that's a nice thing. You don't have to go anywhere to get it. Yeah. Well, you know the nice thing too about the library. Uh, this is carrying the topic a little bit further. If you're a telecommuter, the li- a lot of libraries in this country offer excellent free Wi-Fi if you actually need the free Wi-Fi or you could take your own hotspot, but they give you a great place to sit and work. You know, it's kind of relaxing, but it's uh, it's stimulating because there's people around you. I mean, it's really nice, uh, uh, especially one of the local libraries here. You can go sit. They have this big, like, reading sitting area, and it faces out over a lake, down over a little nice. hill. It's It's... Any time of the year you go there, it's absolutely beautiful to sit there and just work. And, and, you know, instead of just always sitting at your desk at home or something, it's a nice change of pace. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I, I would recommend anybody that's a telecommuter or occasional telecommuter to consider that. Um, and the, the libraries are more than happy to let you do that. They don't they don't care. They, they like having the customers in there. And you will eventually end up doing some, uh, you know, something with the library. You'll end up buying books or or not buying, I mean, you know, borrowing books or something like that, or signing up. So it's a win-win situation all the way around from my perspective. Mm. So, hey, What do you guys think of the dramatization of, of uh, books or stories or story arcs? And I'm, I'm thinking here just the Doctor Who series um, just because I enjoy their dramatizations. Do you guys listen to much of those? I don't. I haven't really. Most of the time, when I look for something, I try to look for the unabridged version, or you know, uh, yeah. I would rather read. You know, I guess the way the you know, even though it's somebody reading it to you, I guess I'd rather hear the way the author wanted it done. And I just worry about uh, you know, even though we had a lot of readers digests, uh, you know, abridged books at home. um, I would rather have the whole story. I just. What may have they cut out to, uh, you know, shorten the story? Is it important or not? And I guess I'd rather just hear the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And a dramatization, uh, I guess the closest, I, I, I guess I should say I did one, and that was the uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. They'd taken, well, basically what it was, they'd taken the radio plays, so it's not exactly the same thing, but they'd put yep. them on audio. And so that's probably the closest I've come to a dramatization. And if done right, that would be acceptable. 
Yeah, I, I, the closest I've come is the Patrick Stewart doing uh, uh, Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. That was kind of a dramatization of it. That's that's the closest I've come to any of them. I wouldn't be opposed to it because I like listening to old-time radio shows occasionally. Mm-hmm. So there used to be a podcast that aired old-time radio shows, and uh, a lot of them were sci-fi, the ones that I listened to, and they were really they were really interesting. I mean, the amount of work that they put into those things to dramatize something you know, when everybody thinks about TV, well, how could it be as good, you know, if you're not seeing it? I mean, with the sound effects and everything they put into it, it was un-freaking-believable. Yeah. yeah, so, now I think... Yeah, I'm that reminds to- me, I, I was listening to one that was a, uh, you know, it was a, a, a podcast of a radio drama that was on, and that was a space-related one, because, well, yeah, that's my shtick, but... Um, and I don't remember. It was like astronauts had uh, their spaceship gets you know blown up. Well, you wouldn't get blown off course in space, but it goes off course, and there's some weird stuff going on. And uh, but you know, it, yeah, there is something to be said for a good dramatization like that. If done right, it can put you into the thing there. And the thing, and the nice thing is, you can imagine it the way you want. Sometimes uh, the problem with some movies is uh, the people making the movies. Put it, make it the way that they think it should be, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, and you might be better off just it's what you want it to be while listening to the story. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's very true. Well, guys, I think uh, that kind of brings us to a good ending point. Um, I do want to say before we go uh, that I want to welcome a couple new listeners. Uh, I think I did say it last episode, but. Uh, my my new co-worker Jim has uh, joined us and Mark go ahead say it. You're well, sorry. Okay, that's it. He's apologizing to you Jim. He's actually watched the video the couple video episodes we we did too, so. Oh good lord, he's really sucked in. That's not good. Yeah. That's not good. And Put then the iPod down now. <laughs> Stop. Don't get sucked in any further. <laughs> we'll suck your soul if you do. And then uh Barb uh, another coworker of mine who's about to uh, roll off one of the projects I've been working on has uh, they've taken to listening to the show some too. So, Barb, I hope you keep listening. And again, Mark, we are sorry. Thank you for apologizing. <laughs> so before we go, uh, as if we haven't said enough or talked enough about it, uh, why don't we tell everybody where they can find out more about us? We'll start with uh, Mike's on my right, so we'll start there. Okay, well, and like I said, I've gotten my uh, usual uh, plugs in for Sci-Fi Tech Talk. That's at SciFiTechTalk.com. Um, and so, and anything else you want to know about me, follow me on Twitter, DSC Chipman, and I have an about.me page at about.me slash Mike McPeak. That's M-C-P-E-E-K. Wonderful, and please do follow him. He's always interesting with his little quips and, and retorts to any tweets that you might put out as well. Uh, and the non-interesting one can be found at markgreentree.com. Ha ha. I had to beat Kevin in for that one because I knew he was going to come up with something good. No, I was going to say my friend from down under who doesn't always show up but is always fun to listen to, and then you blew it. Oh, yeah. isn't, isn't that special? Well, I'll, I'll take that one. Listen, you, you can edit it together, Kevin. Yeah, I'll do uh, that, I, right? I, uh, how about this one? I, I got one for you here. How about my friend from down under who's full of the blunder? There you <laughs> go. Oh, God. My That's f- perfect. My friend from down under who be full of the blunder. Yeah, that blimey, mate. So, 
Hey. I was that was that was bad. I did it again, didn't I? I mixed my UK and my my poor Australian accent. Oh yeah. Yeah, we, no, we, 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 we kicked that UK accent once they started saying that we were criminals and kicking us out to this godforsaken country, so, uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'll apologize to my friend Z in advance now for uh, for me butchering the uh, Australian accent, who's on his way down your way, matter of fact, Mark. So, But anyway, uh, if you want to find out more about me, you can always follow me on Twitter at uh, twitter.com forward slash B-I-G underscore I-N underscore V-A. Or you can go over and check me check me out on the about.me page at about.me forward slash Kevin Alder. If you want to find out more about the show, you can go over to geekiestshowever.com and uh, please leave us a review in iTunes. They're always appreciated. So, folks, that kind of wraps us up for this week. We hope you've had a happy and safe Halloween because by the time I get this edited and out, it'll be a couple days past Halloween. It'll be Christmas. Oh, shut the hell up. Anyway... <laughs> You should say how long he takes. Oh. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Bite me. The, uh, <laughs> so anyway, folks, uh, we do thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. And please do stay subscribed. And please, between now and next week, don't ever forget to hug a geek. Are you into video games? Well, check out one of the many club podcasts here on the Stoplight Network. There's Club Nintendo, Club PlayStation, Club Xbox, and Club Steam. Whether you love Mario, love Halo, love Crash Bandicoot, or just love some good old-fashioned PC gaming, make sure to check out one of the many club podcasts here on the Stoplight Network. These shows are weekly shows where we'll catch up on what we're playing, what uh, news stories are on that platform this week, and much, much more, all revolving around the wonderful world of video games. So check out Club Nintendo, Club PlayStation, Club Xbox, and Club Steam right here on the Stoplight Network. Mm-hmm.